The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This commandment, presented as a commanding order, is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. The calamities of the nation of God are in this, that they do not acknowledge God's order, that is, the person that God has sent. They, against God's order, God's will, they for themselves choose choose people that would deceive them. This person, then, that they have chosen is not a spiritual authority for them. They have a lot of authorities, their brotherly counsel, and the brotherly council is considered higher than the pastor that they have elected for themselves. This is, this greatly wounds God. This perverts the truth. It perverts the order that's supposed to be within the body because the body is not like an organization, it is an organism and only afterwards an organization. There, in these uh, democratic services, they are not uh, organisms, they're just organizations because there are many heads there. And so these people are not students of Christ. They may be students of Sadducees, Pharisees, but not students of Christ because they don't have an apostle. They don't have a person that would be able to have the power of the Holy Spirit and has a heart of a father. And so, as it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the Word of God within your heart, within the temple of your body, as God is vigilant over His spoken Word in the temple of our body, and He is vigilant over His Word only within the temple of our body, and only within the temple of our body does He become a servant of His Word that we have placed into our heart, and only in the temple of our body is He vigilant that it be fulfilled upon the condition that we are vigilant together with Him. Be vigilant in prayer, it says, because in prayer we confess that word that is put into our heart. This is the essence of prayer, when we confess the word of God that comes out of His mouth that's put into our heart. And so we stop to study the following question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart. Righteousness that is concealed within our heart, that is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. And in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus have died by the law for the law. We, in the baptisms 
which are given to us, the water, Holy Spirit, and fire, have been submerged into the death of Jesus Christ, where we died for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires, which uh, the law had relation to. The law relates to sin. It, we are born again, and our, we are born from God. It becomes different, and it becomes in the likeness of God. And in Him, there is God's holiness. And when God's holiness that is within our spirit, it discovers governing sin within our body, it immediately gives power to that sin. Immediately. It discovers it there and then gives it power, this uh, sin power. And then governing sin, the old person, takes this law of holiness and makes it his own armor and relies upon it. And the new person has now been grown into full measure of growth in Christ to take this armor back. And there begins, uh, begins a, a war, a battle within. Until he is grown, nothing can happen. And at this time, the soul is actively participating in our service to God. The soul that does not is not circumcised, although <clears throat> we have submerged into ourselves into waters of death, we don't understand that these waters of death are a seed and not fruit. We need to grow this seed into fruit so that the covenant that we've made in the three functions of baptism so that it becomes fruit because God has put all of this inheritance in a covenant but it cannot be ours until we bear fruit until we bear our Methuselah the one that drives away death and so we need to clearly understand that when we die in Jesus Christ by the law, for the law, so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant. So we can receive justification, so we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected. And we obtain confirmation of our salvation in these new tablets of the covenant, which is the resurrection of life. In order to give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how he gave it to Abraham and his seed. The heirs of peace, these are people that have made a covenant of peace with God, but to make a covenant of peace with God, it's a function of one baptism, one baptism, one faith, one God, but the one baptism is in three, water, Holy Spirit, and fire, and the covenants also are one but three, that is water from the Spirit and to the throne. And so the covenant of peace, it includes the covenant of blood and salt. And so God gives to Abraham the covenant of peace because Abraham, the fun function of blood and salt uh, exist. It speaks of his holiness, that he has separated himself from the house of his father, from his nation, and he died for his destructive will or his desires. And God gives him the covenant of peace. How did he do this? Not by the law. He believed God. God told him that he count himself, that he already is perfect in Jesus Christ. Because people in the beginning, they want to be perfect and then count themselves perfect. They first want to have something noisy in their pocket and then count that they have it. But God says, no, 
My discipline doesn't work that way. First, you have nothing there that's making noise, but you need to hear the noise already. You need to already hear it, although it isn't there physically, and proclaim the not existing as existing. The lusts in our body governing us, but you count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim that not existing stronghold of life, stronghold of resurrection of life within your body as existing, only then, by the way of such confession of the faith of your heart, will God be able to, he's saying, fulfill my promises for you that are in the inheritance of peace. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. And so we, as children of Abraham, he's the father of all who believe if we have Abraham's faith, and we're not trying to earn justification with practicing of spiritual gifts, uh, rebuking of demons, and uh, forms of evangelism, because as soon as we move over to these gifts that are supposed to actually be serving us, they're, they're not supposed to, the anointing that is given to us, it's not called to uh, rule over us. We're supposed to use them as, as gifts, and they need to be used properly. And so you need to use it as uh, a power God gives you to do the works of God. And so having received power, uh, people began to do their own uh, personal will. And so people who think that they have anointing, you understand that anointing, earthly kings also have anointing. Biden has anointing, Joe Biden. And so Trump before him had anointing you say you can't be any authority that is placed uh, is placed by God and authority is anointing there's no authority that's not placed by God if God gave Joe Biden anointing then he is destroying the Muslim cities and everyone's screaming what is he doing what is he doing he doesn't know what he's doing God is doing this work through him right now because God wants to punish the Islamic world for the way that they treat the Israelite nations and Christians. That's what God's doing right now. But you're looking at it from a different side, how many people are dying there. God says that He will give His whole world for the church, the whole world He will give for His Israel. And so, Joe Biden is anointed. And he received this anointing through the apostles of Christ who proclaimed him in their heart. I understand that many Christians, even uh, foaming at the mouth, wanted to leave Trump in place. But Trump may have gone in the wrong direction or maybe tried to begin pursuing something different. And God easily changed kings. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar knew this very well when God showed him uh, uh, who he was when he made him into a beast, if you remember, and then brought him back. Nebuchadnezzar said, it is God who places king and removes them, and he gives wisdom. He knows what is uh, in the darkness and what's in the light. And so he is one of only a few of the Gentile kings that God showed mercy to, who, one who acknowledged God as king. And so no one knows what's in the heart of kings or presidents, but know that all of them are anointed by God 
including governors, mayors, and so forth, including teachers in school and policemen in the street, parents and the families, husband with the wives and, and pastors in the churches. And the greatest, of course, authority is apostle, a pastor of a church. There's no greater authority. By them, God does everything. And so the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the general. This is the word that comes out of the mouth of God in the mouth of his delegated ones. Our faith is the obedience, the strict obedience to the word that we hear, God's, uh, God's word. This is, we are the soldier that obeys God's words. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the eternal covenant of peace that contains in itself the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of peace is called to guard our hearts, or unsearchable inheritance of Christ is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why with thanksgiving do we reveal our uh, our requests because we need to know but not feel but know that God has placed the inheritance of peace upon every person upon his account individually all of the inheritance of peace that you are an organic member of the body of Christ or that church that has the status of the good wife which is the church of Christ and so then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Our mind may not fully capture that peace and possess that peace. God's peace is above uh, the uh, typical understandings of the mind. He, he is within our spirit, our new person. And if our mind is renewed, that we by the law died for the law and in the new tablets of the covenant we have risen and now the renewed mind places himself in dependence of our spirit and can collaborate with our spirit and so through our mind our flesh will also become calm the fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us in the atmosphere of the peace of God and he is able to be grown this fruit first we need to receive that inheritance that we uh, get when we are making a covenant with God when a person wants to be baptized by water for uh, they want to sometimes uh, they want to receive it not fully understanding what it means you make a covenant with God uh, for your incorruptible inheritance that the one that is this incorruptible inheritance it becomes yours it becomes yours your possession upon the condition that you turn the, to profit the guarantee of your salvation so that you can grow into fruit the fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us in the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God 
And so he told him, go in the midst of Jerusalem and make a, a seal upon the forehead of the people there. That means that people are in sorrow and are not doing this evil work. They're not following the multitudes. Although the multitudes have long perverted their ways and many sins have been legalized, they, these uh, good people don't follow in, in the ways of the multitude as the Levites did not follow the other Levites as Korah and Dathan, they died for their fathers and they did not follow their example. And when they made this uh, golden calf while Moses was receiving the law from God on the mountain to be able to bring to them, they perverted their ways, they corrupted their ways, they made their golden calf, began to serve him and saying, here's the God that led you out of, of Egypt. Same thing today, the Christianity today. They go to churches, the emissaries of, of mammon that preach how to become wealthy. People sacrifice huge amounts, sums of money to them. Even in churches, they don't give as much as they give these emissaries. Many times people have come to me, these emissaries, and said, Oh, this person's so blessed. And they tell me stories on how, and I, I told them to get out. And I did not allow them. In all churches, they have allowed them to be. And this terrible virus has been eating through uh, to the core in Christianity. And they think they overcome the spirit of poverty by doing this. The spirit of poverty, you, you need to know that you have everything, but you don't possess it currently in physical form. You can, but you don't have it physically. You have it, but you don't. And so that is where God's faith is. But they say, no, no, when I will hear something in my pocket, that that is how the, the nation of God has corrupted their ways. And Moses said, who is of the Lord? Come to me. And the small group uh, came to him that did not corrupt their ways. And God told them through Moses, uh, take out your swords and kill your brothers, your parents, your who have worshipped the golden calf and commit your hands to the Lord. And how do we do this? We die for the house of our father. If the house of our father, if our parents are resisting the truth, they hate the truth, they resist the truth, you tell them the truth, but they don't want it. And if it's not enough, they are hating it. And if, not, if that's not enough, they call it a heretic teaching. They began to make up all kinds of foolishness in order to offend us, to offend the truth and, and twist it into something else. They say what we don't preach or what we trust in. They, uh, they change these things so that they could justify their ways. And so this is the mark of the beast upon their foreheads. Why? Because their minds are carnal. Because if our mind is in Jesus Christ, then this is the mark of, of God upon our forehead. We are God's holiness. That is why it is upon our foreheads. This is a spiritual, a spiritual mind, which is life and peace within our spirit and the mind of Christ in our spirit. Specifically, the mind of Christ 
It testifies of the fact that we have the covenant of peace. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. This is not a chip that is dissolved in a vaccine that people are afraid to receive. This, these are, uh, this is the carnal mind. This is the mark of the beast. Christians need to be awake, uh, be awakened or wake up. Uh, to understand this, the carnal mind is this a mark of the beast, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When you meditate about the world, how to increase your wealth, when this you consider as a rank of spirituality, uh, you then live according to the flesh and cannot please God. And upon your foreheads will be this mark of the beast. According to the given place of scripture, we conclude that people, Christians, who who call themselves Christians, who refuse the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God, that is the word spoken by the delegated of God, not those that they have elected but whom God has placed, are the very haters of Christ or antichrists who have the mark of the beast upon their foreheads, who do not have any relation to the inheritance of God's peace and are not able to have it. About whom it is written, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us, 1 John 2, 18, 19. We see that the Antichrists are people that went out from us. These are people that were not always like this. They, When they repented, they were not Antichrists, but afterwards they began become to become arrogant and consider they are spiritual. They didn't die for their nation, the house of their father, or their destructive desires they did not accept God's structure of theocracy they continuing to stay in a democratic uh, structure or form consider themselves spiritual because they uh, choose for themselves someone who they call a pastor but and so he will sound what they dictate to him, the brotherly uh, council. In Israel, the religious senate never dictated to the high priest. They actually trembled before him. The high priest at any time could have canceled any rule uh, uh, that the 70 elders uh, would uh, decide. And so a pastor at any time can cancel any decision or any rule that or any rumor because sometimes rumors are considered truth and then spread among the people suddenly there are people then begin to say that they know or have revelations and these revelations they don't receive through the preached word they uh, find them on the internet from someone from somewhere and begin to spread this and people believe it And so apostles and pastors have the authority to cancel these things and curse this, these rumors. And so people who abandon their church, there's no offering left for them. These people have no part to the sons of peace 
that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. This is our primary purpose and our calling. Not to evangelize, but to enthrone that resurrection in our body, uh, of Christ in our body, and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. By faith, when we receive this into our heart, then we become a light to the world. Only then do we become a light to the world, and we are called then evangelists. And then God himself will decide on where we might be need to be sent or as it were, God doesn't do this kind of work as he did in the first church. Go there or travel there. Why? Because today in all countries of the world, his church exists. In all countries of the world, his church is there. There, that wasn't the case. At that time, when apostles came to these cities, it was fully uh, Gentile. Today, there's no uh, purely Gentile na- uh, nations. Why do you need to go to Mexico, where in Mexico there are wonderful churches, wonderful Christians that are greater than you, better than you? Who are you going to preach to? Drunkards, drug uh, addicts. Often these evangelists are from uh, alcoholics or they go through a short encounter and now consider themselves evangelists. And what money uh, do they use to do this? Personal. This is a crime. The evangelist is not supposed to be using uh, personal finances, but an apostle is supposed to yield this money to an, an evangelist. And so the churches gave it to him, gave it to the apostles, the churches that sent him. And so by what science do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy. To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God rules within it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker, which then uh, characterizes us as the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. If there's no peace in the heart, then they will not be able to be peacemakers with all of your desire because you won't even know what peace is. How can you perform peace if you don't know what peace is? Only when you get to know what peace God's peace is because God's peace has the quality of God's wisdom. How to perform peace? You need wisdom that comes from above that would be able to perform God's peace. And if, if with that, there needs to be anointed power or authority, anointed authority. Without it, you can't uh, be a peacemaker. And so in a particular format, we already looked at six signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore, the sons of God. And we stop to study the seventh sign. And so this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and the selective and or selective love of God. To clothe ourselves is to 
present the members of our body as servants of righteousness. And then we will do not what our feelings may want, our uh, preferences may be, but what God wants. We don't base when we do God's work uh, we don't we don't consider whether this person's attractive to us or not. We base it off of the fact that he's a child of God, and I need to do good to toward this person. I need to show him love. The, and where's what is this love consisted in? That I need to be considerate of this person, understanding he's a child of God, but his character may not be changed yet, and it's difficult to work with this person maybe but he's born again and I need to help him so that he grow him in himself the new person and by this anointed power die in Jesus Christ for his corrupt uh, character his nation the house of his father and become different and so this is where the selective love of God is but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you all were also called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.14.15 And so what good is there, Jesus says, if you do good for those who do good to you? Try to do good to those that don't do good for you and can't do anything good for you. And not even that, they do evil against you. Try to overcome this evil with good. We don't need to overcome. Uh, we're not talking here about the wicked or unclean. We're talking about uh, we overcome uh, evil with good for our neighbor, for our saints that may have not been f- fully grown into the into the full measure of growth in Christ, that are not able to demonstrate their new person, but demonstrate what they don't want to demonstrate. The good that's that's in me, I can't show. Apostle Paul, uh, Paul says. But the evil keeps demonstrating itself through me. What am I to do? That I don't will to do, I do. And so in Scripture, the selective love of God, selective meaning holy love that separates darkness from light, the holy from the unholy, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues and characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets. And so it's one fruit. And so virtue is, uh, uh, this is one fruit that contains all of these. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And it's interesting that they won't come, come one from the other. Second uh, Peter 1, 2 through 8, they are in one the other, and they have a surprising balance one with the other. Will you know the perfect, the one that is perfect in knowledge, in balance? All of these qualities are fully in balance, one with the other. It's not more of one or less of the other. They confirm the truthfulness of the other one. Although we are studying them separately, they actually are all qualities of one fruit of peace, one fruit of good that we are called to bring. If we don't bring that fruit, because that fruit speaks of our the of the qualities of our heavenly father Jesus Christ and the holy spirit it is them that possess this nature and if we don't then we will lose our salvation we already looked at five of the qualities that give us open access into the kingdom of heaven because apostle 
Peter says that if we have these, then the op- way will be open for us into the kingdom of heaven. And so our calling and election are made uh, made sure in these qualities. We stop to study the sixth quality, which is identified as brotherly love. And so relevant to this, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is demonstrating our faith in the love of God agape called to fulfill, coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? And by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith? As the first two questions were already studied in the, in the previous services, we have been studying question three. We need to keep in mind that these conditions I'm just repeating that these conditions are individual elements of one whole and do not work one without the other. These are not separate, they are components of one whole. They are just separated into these conditions, but they're part of one whole. First condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart is so that we can demonstrate uh, in brotherly love uh, love in our brotherly love or our relationships is our hunger and our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word specifically our decision and our hunger that follows to know and perform the will of God was foreseen and foreknown by God before the creation of the world which provided God the proper foundation to identify us in advance so that we can be in the likeness of His Son. He knows, He uh, he saw bef- uh, ahead of time that when we hear His truth, we will not spit in His face and we won't say, I don't ag- agree with this, I have my own head and my own Bible where I can make my own uh, determinations. We will actually humble ourselves before His will and begin to fulfill them. For these people, God has pre- uh, predestined them and it's not the multitude that will come and spit on him. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is the need to demonstrate salt in your faith in the fruit of holiness that we have grown. At the time uh, of being born again or being born from the word of God, we receive within our essence the seed of holiness and we become holy. But we receive the seed of holiness. Now we need to demonstrate the fruit of holiness. But to demonstrate the fruit of holiness, we need to grow the seed in the Eden of our heart. If we don't grow it into the fruit of holiness, we will lose our calling, our holy calling a righteous calling that we receive at the time we're born from God because God bears those that are righteous and holy and he gives these to us in the format of a seed and we need to grow them by collaborating with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit that will open up the truth in the heart 
You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 This is also written in the other books. According to the revelation of Scripture, the presence of salt, representing the quality of holiness, is formed in man because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification. You know, when you uh, salt something, then what are you doing? You or if you try to pickle something uh, there's a, a, every food has the bacteria uh, where it, it, the food will decay and why? because the earth it has the element of decay it is cursed and any food has in itself uh, the ability to decay and so if you leave it that will happen what does salt do? it preserves it preserves and it stops this process. It kills the virus. And so after two to three years, you can take out this uh, jar of pickled uh, vegetable or whatever it may be. You may open it up and it will be good and you'll be able to eat it. And you won't uh, get sick because the salt has destroyed that virus, that bacteria. And so the salt of holiness will kill the reigning sin or governing sin that's in our body. And he will never be able to demonstrate himself again. And so that's why Christ says, have salt within yourselves. Because if you won't have it in yourselves, then you will not be able to confront the old person. He will kill you then. Only salt can kill him. The truth about the cross, the blood of the cross of Christ. When you... Present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable for his good service, upon the fire uh, altar. And so salt clothes us into holiness, making our heart wise. Salt is formed up in the fire, and or it was present during the fire, time of the fire, when the fire and the offering was laid. Uh, there was fire under it, and then salt was brought. And it was told, do not bring any offering without salt upon it. You need to sprinkle uh, salt. And in this way, the priest would say that this offering has the salt of the covenant. We don't receive governance over our body by the covenant of blood. We receive governance over our body in the covenant of salt. Do you not know that God gave David and his sons the kingdom forever by the covenant of salt it says and so David needed to have salt in himself his children that will not have salt in themselves will lose the kingdom and those who did have salt or do have salt they will not Joseph son of David also had salt and so that's why he had the privilege to become a father the father for the son of God and so again when the offering is laid uh, then the salt was sprinkled for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt 
Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? You receive the salt that's in the form of in the form of a seed, but if you don't die for your nation, the house of your father, uh, or destructive desires, the salt will not then be flavorful. And so you can't demonstrate this flavor in the in the seed. You need to turn this guarantee of your salvation. And how will you? Uh, season it then have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another Mark 9 and so peace and the salt uh, peace salt and ho- which is holiness are together we've noted that all of the sheep by nature are pure animals the one that becomes holy however is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering so that it can be seasoned with salt of the covenant when we are submerged into the death of baptism to make a covenant with God we are separated from one atmosphere and put into a different one to make a covenant with God to demonstrate the salt so when this lamb is separated so it become so it can become salted then it becomes holy because of this we can conclude that if our offering which is our prayer intercession is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offerings so it can be salted with the fire of holiness we do not have the right to be an intercessor in the status of a warrior in prayer in the virtue of a priest of god in adopting our body by the redemption of christ we will not have it will not have anything to uh, salt ourselves with we won't have the arguments to to prove before god to God can't do anything without us, and so if we are not involved, if we don't have the legitimate status to enter into the temple of God because we don't have in ourselves salt, holiness is is the state of our heart, which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, a prayer that takes its words from the mouth of God. God spoke, and now we take these words and we pray these words. Because prayer is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. It always in God's it was always in God's presence, and the Son of God and the Holy Spirit communicate one with the other, specifically with these words, the words that come out of the mouth of God. And so these words these legitimate words of prayer they come from our heart in the form of the faith of God which are followed then by acts which draw God's favor upon us pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord Hebrews 12.14 the attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundary of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction into antichrists what these people are Christian They also worship Christ. They also pray. They love us. It's a a strange thing that they say they love us. With what love do they love us? They don't love us. They love themselves. And to attract you to themselves, because they love themselves, if they loved us, they would, in the name of love toward us, would have paid the appropriate price for the truth, would not have abandoned their church, would not have resisted the truth, would not have uh, call it heretic and speak evil of the truth. But as they do this, 
We need to die for these people and for such friends because they have converted themselves into sons of resistance and have organized synagogues of Satan and say that it is their churches. And it's not enough. They call themselves with really uh, glorious names, faith, hope, uh, whatever other titles they may give, however you may call yourself, there will not be a result. The result will be who you are inside and how you behave toward the truth. If you spit on the truth and you say, and you call yourself with great titles, you will pay a great price for doing that, that you uh, dared to call yourself with God's names when you were not so, you made yourself gods instead. Demonstrating the fruit of holiness and words of prayer is demonstrating the righteousness of faith, confirming our origin in God, giving us the right to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Only holy people possess the legitimate right to present holy truth while fulfilling their sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication in order to serve the true and living God. I will gladly remind us what holy means when it comes to man that is born from the seed of the word of truth, or is, who is born again, or is born from water, spirit, and throne, or one who is born from God, holy. One who is born from God, born for God, coming from God, that is, the genetic line is from God, belonging to God, abiding in God abiding in His Word, in His promises, in His commandments, the personal possession and holiness of God, one who confirms that He is God's belonging by giving and bringing His tithes to the Lord. There a person can only confirm himself as a holiness of the Lord because this command is the fundamental command of all the rest of the commandments. Redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, entering the lot of God or inheriting one lot with God, sharing the power of authority with God. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical. It identifies the peace of God within our heart and makes our heart identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of the state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, in the status of kings, priests, and prophets, giving God the proper foundation He needs to turn His goodness toward us or upon us. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me. O oh God, he is confident that he, God will hear him. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Psalm 17, 5, 6. Why is he confident? Because he says, Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip upon his way. In scripture, the praying phrase, To bow down the heavens, that is spoken by man to God, means... He will listen attentively to a praying person. He will turn his eyes for good for this praying person. He will become a stronghold or a place of refuge for a warrior in prayer, a person praying with words that came out of God's mouth. 
He will become a covering for a praying person. He will occupy a circle of defense around a warrior in prayer. That is, he will stand before him. He will make the enemies of a warrior in prayer flee. He will strike the enemies of a warrior in prayer. In order to provide God with the proper foundation to incline his ear to our prayers, it is necessary to present the argument of your origin in him, in the grown bias fruit of holiness. You can't present an argument in, in the form of a seed. It needs to be in the fruit of holiness within the brotherly love as well as with all those around you. Because in the seed, you can't do anything. The seed is not fruit. You can only sow it. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and and everlasting life. Romans 6.22 When can we demonstrate fruits of holiness? When we are freed from sin. When are we freed from sin? Not in the moment when we're born from God or born again, but when we, by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ die for the law by the law to live for the one that died and resurrected when we die for our nation the house of our father and for our destructive desires only then are we able to present fruits of holiness the the separation the difference if you separate from these three you can bear fruits of holiness if you don't you can't we conclude that if a person does not become free from governing sin within his body by the way of casting off the old man where he counts himself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of incorruption within his body, counting himself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming this non-existent stronghold of incorruption within his body as existing, he will not be able to become a servant of God in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God, it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself and what is it and how is the grown bias fruit of holiness in brotherly love identified? What purpose is holiness called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price is necessary to be paid in order to demonstrate the fruit of holiness and brotherly love? In a specific format, we've already studied the first three questions, therefore we will immediately pay attention to the fourth. By what science can we examine ourselves that we have salt within ourselves that identifies holiness within our relationship with God and with each other? We will limit uh, we will limit the subject to seven components, the collaboration of us growing the fruit of holiness together with the holiness of God in brotherly love as well as with all those around us. By these we will be able to examine ourselves as to whether we have salt within ourselves within brotherly love. I will bring forth familiar to us components by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we collaborate the grown by us fruit of holiness within the, with the holiness of God. Leviticus 26, 2 through 12. You shall keep my Sabbaths and and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, to keep your Sabbaths is to not abandon your church or uh, or because if you abandon your church, you are not able to be renewed with repentance. Your church is the church where God has placed you and it is 
the status of the good wife. If your church is does not have the status of a good wife, where the fullness of the teaching of Jesus Christ is preached, and if and where there should be a theocracy, not a democratic structure, but a theocratical structure, this is not your church. Run from it as from the face of a snake. Uh, pray to God that He reveal to you the church where you need to go and go there and fulfill God's word by hearing His truth. And only then will you keep His Sabbaths and reverence His sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. So you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts. These are Philistines. These are lusts, ambitions, desires, and the sword will... And, and the sword will not go through your land. In other words, the word that would be able to kill you, rumors that would be able to make you sorrowful will not go into your land. You will become deaf as your savior. May they uh, accuse you, but you won't listen or hear it. Just as one a pastor told me in a church once, listen, they're saying this about you. Do you hear it? Why are you so calm? At this time, one of the Episcopals was uh, speaking evil against me from the stage, and very openly. And I was sitting calmly and smiling, and they're asking me, why aren't you reacting? And I said, he's placing, he's putting curses upon his own head, and I'm deaf to these words because I'm protected. I know who I am because he says that I know who I am truly in Jesus Christ and who God is for me. And so whoever may say whatever they may say, it is important to me what God says. What did the word of God say about me? And so when it says sword will not go through your land and your enemies will fall from the sword before you, you will chase your enemies. They will fall from the very words that they themselves are saying. They will uh, dig their own hole and fall into it. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. If you fall into the church, that is the good wife. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. And so to walk among you, what does it mean? That I will do my work or bring about my promises, because to walk by faith is fulfilling. God's commands, but when God walks, He fulfills His promises if He's walking among us, so that God can separate us by the powerful abilities of the fire of holiness from foreign nations, which are our corrupt desires and unclean thoughts, 
as well as from unclean and lawless people. It is necessary, and they fill churches today, these lawless people. It is necessary to give God the proper foundation so that He can walk within our camp. And so that God can walk within our camp, it is necessary to collaborate the grown in the good soil of our heart, fruit of holiness, with the demands of His holiness. And we collaborate, again, the fruit of our holiness with the demands of His holiness. Our camp is our church that we are called not to forsake so that we can give the blood of Christ the legitimate foundation necessary to cleanse us from all sins so that our destroyed relationship with God can be repaired or fixed. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, God walks in the light of His word that He has spoken that came out of His mouth, and He walks within the boundaries of that word. That is where the light is. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 6-7 Just as in the body of a person the blood cleanses him, not uh, within the three days of encounter, but every single day. We live in a world, in the world of of sins, uh, deceptions, viruses, all kinds of information, and it is necessary for us not to periodically clean uh, ourselves with the blood of Christ, but constantly, and it's not enough. The blood of Christ doesn't just cleanse us from sin. It is constantly bringing life, oxygen, into our body, and where does it do this? In the body. Same thing here, in brotherly love, in our proper relationship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ receives the right uh, basis to cleanse us. There's no other way to be freed from sin. Cleansed is justified, not just taking and cleaning, but justifying, not accounting, not considering it uh, as of your fault, removing, eliminating the sin. That's what it means to cleanse. This is not just take dirty clothing and wash it. This is giving you new garments. In cleansing, God gives you new garments, new clothing. Not the old clothing is washed, but He gives you new the new covenant. That is what He does. Cleansing is new garments. Justification. This is when God doesn't account sin to you. As it is written, God doesn't account the sin to you. Because of His blood, Jesus Christ, the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, if we are in holiness, if we live not according to our emotions, but what the Scriptures say, if you love me, fulfill my commandments. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. May the mercy of God, may these words be uh, written into our heart how the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. When we love, walk in the light as God is in the light, when we have fellowship with one another, it, we are cleansed upon the condition that our camp, which is our church, is holy. So our church needs to be holy as it satisfies the requirements of a good wife that is clothed into the virtue of the narrow gate that not many people can find. If you 
are not in such a church, then you will not be able to be holy or bear fruits of holiness because to be holy, God will call us out of that Babylon and God has already started that process. Uh, that call has has already uh, sounded in all the earth. Come out from Babylon so you not suffer in their own sins because God's wrath is already kindled against this Babylon the mixture of the things of of men, products of man, uh, with the word of God. They mix them. And we know if our camp is holy and it has the status of a good wife, that's the narrow gate, then then we are where we need to be. The demand to demonstrate holiness in our faith in the seven qualities of virtue and in this situation, brotherly love, gives God the right foundation He needs to walk within our camp. Apostle uh, Paul elevated the demand to demonstrate holiness as a law and as our calling, which gives God the right foundation to walk among us, for God did not call us to uncleanness. He's not saying to evangelize or rebuke demons, to live a rich life, to rebuke spirits of poverty. What did God call us to? Not to uncleanness, but in holiness. Where's my calling? How long will I be a student? One woman came up and asked me, how long will I be a student? I want to be a teacher. And she finally left the church so she could be a teacher. She went to another church so she can be a teacher there. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also has given us his Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8. And so our calling to holiness is obedience to the person whom God has placed. And one who is disobedient to this person is not disobedient to the person, but to God. And he's no longer demonstrating holiness, but in uncleanness. And he will evangelize, rebuke demons, uh, practice spiritual gifts. He is demonstrating his uncleanness. Why? Because he is not obedient to the person whom God has given, and he has made himself ahead, and he has deceived a group of people that can follow him, or many people. However, how, even if you lead the whole world in your deception, you will still go to hell. In the given calling, we see obedience to the words of the person who is endowed with the responsibility of a father from God that in essence is collaboration with the holiness of God. Collaborating with this person, obeying his words, is collaborating with the holiness of God. And the given calling is dependent upon our choice. This is our choice, to give God the right foundation He needs by the power of His holiness to destroy the stronghold of death within our mortal body in order to erect the stronghold of life in its place in the form of the resurrection of Christ. You see what happens by having a proper relationship with this person. In order to confirm this discipline within your heart as one of the fundamental commandments without which we will not be able to give the give the power of the of holiness of God and proper foundation to help fulfill our calling, we will turn to the promises or promised rewards, which are signs that we are to collaborate with so we can bear fruits of holiness. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your 
uh, your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it and thanksgiving the voice of melody. Isaiah 51, 1 through 3. If we do not have a thirst for living water or hunger for the bread of life, which demonstrate themselves in the strive to perform justice and salt, of course, and we are not seeking God within our sacred person and all of our losses and gains, then we will not be able to look to the rock from which we came who is Christ from which we were hewn, if we don't have this hunger and thirst. First, we are recommended to look at the rock from which we were hewn, just as Abraham and Sarah looked to their reward. We are recommended to look at this rock from which we were hewn, as Moses looked to his reward, which provided God with the right foundation to clothe the rod of the mouth of Moses with power, which he then used to lead Israel out of Egypt with great wonders and signs. Third, we are recommended to look at the rock from which we were hewn, like upon the glory of the Lord, which is called to transform us into the same image from glory to glory as from the Spirit of the Lord in the service of justification. Fourth, we are recommended to look at the rock from which we were hewn, as upon the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus, who instead of the joy that was prepared for him, chose to suffer the cross, undergoing shame, and has sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Fifth, we are recommended to look at the rock from which we were hewn, looking at the way the life of our instructors ends. That is, looking at the way their life ends, the instructors who preached the word of God to us so that we remember them and imitate their faith. Because not all uh, instructors die in faith. Not having before the eyes of your heart the given rewards and not comprehending the essence of its value, which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith, we will not have the armor and desire or the legitimate grounds to demonstrate the fruit of holiness within our faith. The components of the rewards by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are collaborating the grown by us fruit of holiness with the holiness of God, we will study in the book of Leviticus 26, 1 through 12. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season, the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last uh, last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Here we see seven components. Leviticus 26, 3-12. First sign 
is the Lord our God will walk within our camp in order to deliver us and give our enemies into our hands. Second, God will give our land rain in its season and our land shall yield its produce. Third, God will give us the opportunity and ability to eat our bread till we are full and you will dwell in your land safely. They will not threaten us, these uncircumcised Philistines or unclean thoughts, lusts, and passions. Fourth, God will send peace upon our land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid, as he will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will also chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. It is not us that will uh, fall because of their accusations, but they will fall because of their accusa- the accusations that they make. Fifth, God will look upon us favorably and will make us fruitful and He will multiply us. He will multiply the promises that we will bear. He will open to us the promises that belong to us and our children. Sixth, God will confirm His covenant with us. He will set the tabernacle among us and His soul will not abhor us. Seventh, God will walk among us and will be our God and will be His nation. Considering that our time is up for today, we will begin our service immediately from that first with the first sign here to find or in ourselves these signs that will give us peace that we are within peace in a peaceful relationship with God and that we have the salt of holiness and that we are collaborating with the grown by us fruit of holiness with the holiness of God, which gives us the guarantee that when the time comes to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, God will immediately do this work here on earth and not other eyes, but our own eyes will see this. Amen. Let us bend our knees or our heads and we will pray and all those who want to confront their lusts, passions that are within them, that live within your body, fear, earthly fear, fear from other men. We wait for you here upon this place so that God can demonstrate His mercy, delivery from an enemy that's stronger than you are. We will pray. May the Lord bless you.
I'm going to pray your prayer and I ask you to believe that God is on your side, He's for you, He's not against you, He sees your suffering heart, He sees that the enemy has stomped upon you into the earth with your sins, He sees your shackles, He sees these chains, He sees you that you don't see a way out, He has a way out, He can fulfill His word and right now break these shackles of sin return you, bring you back into the midst of his peace, give you his justification, close your eyes, this is your secret room, lift your hands to God, this is a sign that your hands are without doubt or wrath, pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, I open up my heart, I love you, but I can't demonstrate my love because I am in shackles with chains of sin I ask you destroy these shackles so that I can serve you all the days of my life in holiness and righteousness I hate sin I hate passions I love your commandments and your law. And right now, before heaven and hell, according to your words, I accept into my heart your justification, your liberty from my lusts and my desires, from governing sin in my body. Thank you that you have thrown out the old person into hell and have erected in my body the stronghold of life. I thank you that you have clothed my body into immortality. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills beyond you and be fulfilled upon you and your children and the nation shall say Amen Blessed is our Lord God in Jesus Christ who has blessed us with such a surprising blessing in heaven and has revealed these blessings in these last days to us that by faith are ready to collaborate with these promises in order to clothe ourselves in these last days and shame all of the lawless and wicked within our midst so that God pulled them out as weeds from this field and that He cleanse us from the chaff of our desires for the benefit of His desires. And so let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence 
of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.